0: Hello, and thank you for tuning into Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic and the President of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. So Bill, welcome back.
1: It's good to be back as always.
0: Yes. Great to talk to you. One of the highlights of my week. So what is on your mind this week?
1: Well, of course, COVID's always up, <laughs> yeah, hopefully course. coming down, right? As we get past the Omicron wave, but to start to look beyond COVID and what else is happening with diagnostics and with testing and how do people feel about them and what's out there, what are people talking about? In that regard, one of the things that caught my eye was an article in the New York Times, I suppose about a month ago now, that was about newborn screening, This what's called NIPs testing, where we do the newborn screening in the blood to look for potential inborn or errors of genetic diseases in a pregnant mom for the fetus. It kind of stirred up the notion that maybe these tests aren't good, but the reality is that it takes a bit out of context to say the tests really are an advancement but we really have to understand how the tests are used so that people make the best choices based on the results. So that whole idea of how tests are used, what makes a test a good test, what do people really need to think about before they act on the results of any test, really important. That's kind of what's in my head these days.
0: You know, I think that's a great topic and really relevant to pathologists and laboratorians because I also saw that uh, media and it was kind of misleading if you just take it for face value of, oh, these tests are bad, but really digging into the issue more, there's so much more there talking about the fact that this test, this so-called NIPS or non-invasive prenatal testing using cell-free DNA is a screening test and there's a lot of information about the test that really needs to be considered when a patient or a physician is looking at performing
1: that test yep on the one hand it is a real advancement because prior to this kind of testing we either used blood tests that were really inaccurate Mm -hmm. or we did things that were more invasive like amniocentesis or even sampling the placenta with so-called chorionic villus sampling all those which actually risk the fetus right and that you could lose the pregnancy so they're really an advancement. They give more information than we've ever had before. But on the other we hand- do
0: it early too now, I think it, just in like 10 weeks.
1: Exactly, but mm-hmm. you have to understand the information yeah. that you're getting so you know exactly what, your point is a screening test. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people don't understand the difference between the screening test and the diagnostic test. A screening test is meant to just inform a patient or a provider about what is something that they need to be thinking about and potentially looking into further to determine if something is present. As opposed to a diagnostic test, which is like, I take a biopsy, I send it to a pathologist, or I take a specimen, I want to know if it has this pathogen in it, and I send it to Dr. Pritt, or does this have, you know, leukemia, I send it to Dr. Maurice, that's that's a diagnostic test, it's a much different kind of thing than a screening test.
0: Yeah, you know, when I think of a screening test, I think of something that is really good at detecting any positives out there. You want to cast a really broad net. Of course, when you cast a broad net, sometimes you you pick up things that aren't really true positives. But the good news is that if you have a really sensitive test, you're hopefully going to pick up all the positives in that population often at the risk of getting some false positives. Then I think of my diagnostic test as my confirmatory test. So more specific less likely to give false positives. And you really need the two of them together. We do this a lot in infectious disease testing and clinical microbiology. You know, uh, We do this in Lyme disease testing, syphilis testing. You do that broad screening test first, and then you always confirm it with your definitive test before you tell someone, oh, there's a problem with your you know, neonate or this concern, or you have a positive result. They really have to go together.
1: They do, and I think it's becoming more difficult and more challenging sometimes to put those pieces of puzzles together because we have things like this new blood screening that people can do when they're early in their pregnancy. Another thing that we're seeing coming out now is blood screening for cancer, right? And that you'll be able to draw your blood and we'll be able to screen for all sorts of cancers, which is a great thing because we all know that early detection of cancer is critical for a good outcome. However, if we're using a screening test, we have to understand what that screening test tells us versus what a diagnostic test tells us. And if there's one thing for people listening, uh, you know, we usually say go to your providers and that's a really good first step, but mm-hmm. the reality is it's difficult for a lot of providers to keep up with as well. So you really shouldn't be afraid to be your own advocate, Be not be afraid to even call the, the laboratory, call the pathologist or ask for some guidance from the pathologist or the laboratory that's done the test if you're having questions. Because the last thing that any of us want, we want to produce accurate results and We all are very heavily invested in that. We really wanna help people understand them. And I think now that just with COVID, there's this greater interest just in general around testing, it's something that we have to continue to be a resource for, for healthcare in general and individuals around some of these kind of, what can be confusing questions.
0: Yeah, you know, you have a couple of really good messages there, Bill. First, patience, be an advocate for yourself and, and go to good, reliable sources to get information. But also for those of us out there that are, you know, listening that are laboratorians, We have a real role to play in educating the people that are ordering our tests. It's up to us as part of the healthcare team to provide information about those tests. It's not just a whole list of tests, order what you want. We really are as medical professionals involved in the care of the patient. And part of that is giving guidance on when a certain test should be used and how it should be interpreted. That's on us as part of the healthcare team.
1: I agree. And I think the one thing that's new for all of us is that we also have to start to think now about how do we make information available to patients who might wanna come directly to our website, every one of us. As for instance, for these, we talked about positive predictive value being included in a report, meaning what's the likelihood that this positive test really means that this condition is present. If that's on there, people might not understand that. We might need to be able to provide you with your background in education really know this, information that makes it accessible and understandable to whoever that is, more and more pathologists and laboratories have to really think about being in the context of that patient interaction as well, not just talking to the providers in terms of how we present information.
0: Yeah, I agree, and and those are sometimes difficult terms to wrap your head around. We talk about sensitivity and specificity, but positive predictive value, that's a really important statistic as well. It's basically when you have a positive result, what is the predictive value that it's a true positive result? And that really depends on the prevalence of the disease. So that's where some of these prenatal screening tests can be interpreted as providing too many false positives. I'd say that, you know, really that has to do with the prevalence. Of the disease, if you're looking for something very, very rare, you're going to have more false positives than true positives. You know, so like if the prevalence of disease in a certain community is only 5% then the positive predictive value is only 32%. So that means a positive result is only gonna be truly positive 32% of the time. You know, it's kind of hard to throw all those numbers at someone and explain it, but essentially the bottom line is is if, if something's really rare, you're more likely to get a false positive rather than a true positive in a screening test like this prenatal screening test. And that's why the confirmatory test is really crucial.
1: Yep. So I guess the bottom line, what makes a good test okay. isn't just an accurate result. It's also providing someone with whoever's receiving that test, whether it's the provider or the patient, the kind of information that helps them understand what it means. Really fine tooth comb I'm making sure we have really good results, but we have to make sure That comb doesn't just stop at the results, but really providing people the information, the context, interpret them, and that falls to us. And that's what makes our profession challenging. That's what makes it valuable. And that's what, in my mind, kind of makes it fun too. It's
0: rewarding, yeah. And I think that we're going to see more need for this as we see more tests that could be performed at home. We are probably going to be involved in writing the instructions for people performing those tests. We may have information about how people should interpret the results of those tests. There's not always going to be a provider that can explain the results, or we might end up being that provider. So that's something to think about.
1: That's right. So I guess ultimately, hopefully once, once COVID is behind us, at least as a pandemic, it will really just be the end of the beginning for laboratorians to really be engaged and what testing does for healthcare, what it does for people, what it does for society. Lots of new vistas for us to explore.
0: Yes, absolutely. Well, that was a great topic. Thanks for a great discussion, Bill.
1: Yeah, as always, thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.